Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Nebraska on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Casacho. Week two in the books. Now, before we jump into all the action and the big win the Huskers had against Buffalo, I want to take a minute. Everybody take a second. Take a breath. Do you know what that smell is? It's the smell of a winning record. Huskers are two and one. For the first time since 2019. We got to savor this moment. Because we all know who we're playing next week. Savor that 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 winning feeling. We have a winning record. Alright, now let's jump into what happened against the Buffalo Bulls. It was a big win for the Huskers. Um, I There's definitely a lot to unpack though. First thing I want to say, the defense continues to impress. Couldn't like it's gotten to a point where I'm actually, I am proud of the black shirts. I think that they have earned it. They finally look like what I would expect from my childhood a black shirt to be. They are swarming everywhere. Luke Reimer, unbelievable performance, 16 tackles. I think it was the best uh, Big Ten defensive player of the week, the first one we've had in Scott's uh, time here as coach. I don't know when the last time we honestly had a Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, period. Um, huge game from him, but the truth was it was it was all of them. Henrik was run was was flying around. They were able to stifle up the run game significantly. They were able to hold all the Buffalo running backs under a hundred yards. Um, there was a hundred yards rushing, but Marks went for twenty one for eighty five. Uh, McDuffie seven for forty six. Uh, Cook Jr. really didn't get going at all. Four carries, four yards. So, I mean, given that this team ran all over Wagner, 69-0, to or 69-7, to excuse me, but that they did that last week, this defense was able to clamp down on them, holding the three points for the game. It's really impressive. I get it. It's Buffalo. But still, it's, it's you know, any team that was able to score 69 points last week and you holding the three this week, they, I mean, at the end of the day, Van Trees had to throw 50 times. It was 27 of 50. The 41 QBR. So the Husker defense across the board, I've been impressed with them. They've, they're have they looking like, uh, it reminds me of like the older Pelini defenses, like the Carl Pelini defenses, like before Papuchic, like that kind of defense. 
I don't want to say Sue level defense because we don't have anybody on this team like Sue, and we don't really have anybody like Randy Gregory either. But there's guys. It's it's as a unit. They ta- they 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 hawk to the ball. They're disruptive at the line of scrimmage. They didn't get a ton of sacks in this game, but the, there were tons of quarterback hurries. And I think when you look at the stat line that I just mentioned with Van Treese's, uh completions, like it's clear they were getting to him. Clearly disruptive, just just across the board. So those guys are great. Honestly, they're great. Now the question is going to be a big test for them this week. It's a it's a huge test. Because Oklahoma's offense, to me, is what really poses the true... That's where the strength of their team lies. So I think that plays into into the strength of Nebraska. Just that the strength of Nebraska is, I think, the defense at this point. I think that's fair to say, given how well they, they've played almost... Even dating to last year, every game. I mean, the truth is, the defense played well enough to probably win that Illinois game. They, they definitely played well enough to win that Illinois game. They played better against, you know, against Fordham, made you know, forced turnovers, did what they need, you know, did what they needed to do here again. And they seem to be as good as they played, they played well enough to beat Illinois. They're still getting better with each game. So they're progressing even from a good starting place. And that was to be expected to a degree because we returned a bunch of, you know, super seniors and there's a lot of veteran guys, but there are also young guys that are contributing in terms of the offense um, another great game by Martinez, uh, 13 to 19 for 242 yards, two touchdowns. Um, obviously he also had nine carries for 112 yards. That play he had where somewhere, um, a Buffalo player came in unblocked and he just shook him off and then just jumped around the pocket and took it for 70 yards. Unbelievable stuff. Like this, when he does those, when he has those plays, he looks like one of the best players in the country. And he's honestly put back-to-back games together with really limited mistakes and really high efficiency. Uh, 95.7 quarterback rating. Just he, he had a great day. And another huge day for Samari Toure. Only two receptions, which I was actually shocked by. It felt like he had like it felt like he had like five catches. But he only had two receptions for 136 yards. And it was uh, both of Martinez's passing touchdowns. Um, so yeah, they big big game for the for the. I don't want to say for the passing attack, but yeah, I mean for the passing attack, um, Hickman got involved here. This this game this for the passing attack. This game got kind of weird because right from the jump, um, Austin like so Omar Manning was a scratch to start the game. No. Um, Oliver Martin. So you're kind of down your number two and three wide receivers there just to start. And then Austin Allen, the first drive hit his head on the turf and then he was out. And so it was really kind of just Samari Ture and then like next man up. And like Chris Hickman really answered that bell. He had three catches for 90 yards. Um, You know, that was a, so it was a good day from him. Um, Xavier Betts came in and, and made some good catches, but he also left the day hurt. Um, that's not great looking forward to next week, but I thought that the team, given that that they ended up shorthanded in the receiving game pretty early on, I was, I felt pretty good about the way that the passing attack, like it didn't seem like they really missed a beat. They were able to, to hit a lot of plays. And the truth is they hit some plays that I'm, you know, were inexplicably taken back. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. 
Um, I thought Martinez played well. I thought the receivers that had to step in for injured guys also played well. So all of that stuff is good. Again, like we were just, we're trying to like take steps forward. I think that a lot of that happened. Like I felt like that we were still seeing some, like some overthrows from Martinez in the Fordham game. And he really seems to be getting into a rhythm and, and, and it looks, it looks sharp. Like when he had to make a big play, he did. The only real concern, and I know that Buffalo was was stacking the box a lot, and, the, and some of the reason they that we had the opportunity for some big plays in the receiving game was because their safeties were chipping down into the box often, trying to stop the run against us. It did seem like we're continuing to struggle with some some of the, you know, just just blocking the run game. Like the run game was stifled for a a lot of the early portions of this game. Um, but one thing that I did think is it, it does seem to be, you know, I know Scott said it's not always an offensive line thing. It seems to be that because it seems like there's a lot of disruption on, you know, at the line of scrimmage. And I'm sure that there's like some, cu- you know, better cuts guys could make. But I really like this running back room. Like Marquis Step had that great game against Fordham. The year kind of started off with Gabe Irvin. And we kind of saw in this game what, why they maybe went with Gabe Irvin to begin with, even though he was a true freshman, because man, like he really ran well at a lot of like, particularly in the second half and at other points in the game as well. Like his carries where he had 10 carries for 56 yards and, and two touchdowns his first touchdowns as a Husker. And he, and he went for two, um, that's 5.6 yards a carry. Like that's pretty good. I mean that that that's better than you know the what we've seen in terms of efficiency from from the other backs. And it's just like it, the you know it seemed like he started to get some momentum, like really running downhill fast. And he's a really physical. He seems like he has a lot of physical. Like he's fast, big, strong. Like, and it felt like that at a lot of times on Saturday. But it definitely still seems like there remains something to be desired here in terms of run blocking. Like the, the holes aren't there, particularly they they're not there the way that they were last year. The running lanes are not opening up and I, and, and we're playing, you know, we're playing Buffalo, we're playing Fordham and, and we're not getting up. And I know, you know, we played a guy like Greenhagen and in, in Fordham and these guys had a veteran, you know, defensive front. Uh, and, and I understand that, you know, I, I really do, but it's, it's not, you're not playing Oklahoma and you're not playing, you know, these, we had to play Ohio state last year. We had to play Ohio state this year. Like this is not, we, we, we were able to run the ball in a way that we really haven't been to start this year. And it's definitely concerning, uh, you know, going into next week, but where I did think that the offensive line has improved and they are, it's a younger offensive line. Like it was, we, we put guys in the NFL and they're learning. Like, I think there's a lot of talent there, but it's really hard to take, you know, offensive line is like, is one of the positions that you can't just take a kid out of high school, regardless of how talented he is and get him into the techniques and, and schemes that he needs to, and, and ex- having execute those schemes in a way that is going to be effective at the college level. Um, or at least the transition for that is going to take time. And I thought that this week, this younger group took a huge step in pass protection. It felt like Martinez had way more time than he'd had in other games and in, in, in the first two games. It didn't feel like – it just felt like when the play was – the big play was there, 
it, it was a, we were able to make it and and Mart and when Martinez does have time, he he's able to do amazing things. So that I did feel like got better, but we're still we we just got to keep stacking weeks here. Like it has to it has to be so much better. It has to be so much better run blocking this week. <laughs> like we have to be able to run the ball otherwise like regardless of what steps we've taken in the past protection, they're going to pin their ears back and just come after us. If we, we cannot just be, you know, throwing the ball and then we had a balanced attack today. I mean, Martinez only had to throw 19, you know, 19 times. So, you know, and we, and we got a lot of backs involved here. Like Morrison looked, looked pretty good. Like step was involved. Like the, the, the carries were honestly evenly distributed between Martinez Irvin, Morrison, and Step. Everybody had about between eight and eight and ten carries. So on that, you know, it, it seems like things are starting to come together. But I, I do have to say that they're coming together. It's not coming together quickly enough, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. The 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 defense is there. The offense, the score was twenty eight to three, but it should have been a lot more. I now I hate to do this and I don't want to do this particularly in like a blowout win against a Mac opponent, but the refs, whoa. I mean, what was that in that game? They wiped three touchdowns off the board, two of which the, the second touchdown was absolutely a hold. Okay. The, the first touchdown pass interference on like the the play was a blown coverage by Buffalo to the left for a 30-yard touchdown on fourth down and on the right they're saying there's some sort of hand even Dean Blandino is like Frost is losing his mind because at the time it's 0-0 and Frost is completely losing his mind on the on the sideline and even Dean Blandino says I kind of agree with Scott Frost on this one I don't even know what I'm going to see it and the refs would go on to wipe off two more touchdowns. The second one was a hold, but the third one was just, I mean, it was the end of the game. It doesn't matter. It's a touchdown. Why are you taking it away for no reason? It was a forward pass on a pitch. We've run that pitch again and again. It's it, its not, it wasn't a forward pass by any stretch of the imagination. It just wasn't. And they just, I hate, I hate to complain about, you know, the, the calls the refs makes, but like particularly in a win, but like when it's a completely absurd, here's the problem I have with it. The problem that I have with it is that this team, as we've talked about at length since the start of the season is a team that has struggled with disciplined play, not taking penalties, particularly at bad times, wiping away touchdowns, things of that nature and or wiping away interceptions or you you know what 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 have you like we've talked about that at length that that's that that's a problem for a team trying to take steps in that department it's really really like like they must have like whiplash these kids like what are they supposed to think like they perfectly execute a play and it's a touchdown just like we did in practice and no one messed anything up and the refs just throw a yellow flag like they're going to like have like PTSD. They're not going to know. Like they're, they're never going to, they're going to be like, okay, so what do I actually need to do to not have a penalty called on me to do this? Like you're, you're, you're completely messing with the psyche of a bunch of people who are trying to, 
to do th- we're trying to do things the right way here that pl- both the two the first and third touchdown were complete were executed to perfection there's there's no other way to say it there's nothing there there was literally nothing there and it ha- the fact that it happened more than one time in this game is is just completely inexcusable they probably they owe Nebraska an apology and I you know what I'm sure this rubs some people the wrong way that Scott called timeout in a game that it, he's up 28 to three to talk to the entire um, ref to every referee about what how he felt about what just happened on a garbage time touchdown. But I mean, the truth is, it, it was warranted. It was completely outrageous. You you got it wrong on the field, and then they went to review, and you got it wrong again. It's wrong. You can see it. I mean, they didn't confirm the the call. They said it stood as though it was close. It wasn't really close. There wasn't anything about it. And yeah, it's disruptive to you know kids who are trying to learn to to not have these plays happen, to not have things wiped away. Sure, at that point it was the twos and threes, but they're trying to learn it too. And they executed the play and it scored, and it was a touchdown. They need to like register what that feels like. Not <laughs> they 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 get penalties on them enough. They don't need it. They don't need it when you when it didn't happen at all. When it's a ghost penalty, no one needs that. It's definitely not helping them learn how to do things the right way. They're probably confused. But I digress. The refs in that game know what they did. Now let's move on to our favorite topic every week on any Nebraska media circuit. Special teams. Let's talk about special teams. Special teams, once again, become, is is just, it's every week. It's every week. It's a waking nightmare for this football team. This week, the Connor Culp missing those field goals, I don't know what to, this is the kind of stuff that happens that I feel bad for Scott. Because what is he supposed to do? That has nothing to do with coaching. This kind of stuff is like, like the worst luck in the world. He was an all Big Ten. He was the best kick. He was named the best kicker in the Big Ten last year. Why would what what could possibly be happening? He's it's a kicker. It's a place kicker. Like why would he be start out of nowhere just missing all of his kicks? He missed extra points against Illinois, and then just yeah, just was missing chip shots here in this Buffalo game. Oh man, that was, so if the refs took away touchdowns, this score was this score should have been like I think I think the score should have been like oh, I don't know, 40 maybe it is 48. 48. That's how many points between the missed field goals and the and the referees that were not on the thing. 48 to 3. So this really should have been a bigger game than it looked on paper for the Huskers, but honestly, I'm hoping that the those those Okies uh, don't <laughs> think that it was closer than it was. I'm, I'm hoping that they don't know the refs were playing for Buffalo. Um, unfortunately, I think they are going to be aware that that our kicker is not that, that Connor is not. Um, he's not. He's having a problem. He's having some sort of an issue because he's missing. Like they automatics, you you got to make those from like the twenty or thirty yard line. You know, you got to make those. Um, and it's going to be a hostile environment. I'm nervous for him. I'm really nervous for him. I'm, I, he's a talented kid. 
I hope he's able to just shake it off this week, find a way to, to, to get right for this game because it's, it's a head scratcher. I do. I feel bad for Scott. Cause I don't know what you do about that. What do you do? He's your kicker. He's the, the most talented kicker on the team. Like you're not gonna, what you're, you're not going to just, it's not going to help anything to just, you know, the kicking game is so mental. Like, I don't know. I, you know, benching him or I, that, I wouldn't want to do any of those things. And I don't, I don't know what you would do. I, I really don't. I don't know what you do with a kicker who was the best kicker in the big 10 last year, who just starts just missing out of nowhere, like just loses his mojo. I'm not, I'm not sure what to do about that. I hope he finds it by Oklahoma. That's all I can say. I hope, hope Connor, if you're listening, I hope you find your mojo, bud. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The punt return. It happened again. It happened again. Cam Taylor Britt. I, we, they started the game off with Samari Toure. And honestly, I'm thinking, I got to believe, I got to hope that what the problem was, was they started with Toure. And then it was when, when Xavier Betts went down, they already didn't have Omar Manning, Austin Allen's out. They're like, we can't have, you know, Samari returning. If we lose him, you know, trying to do the punt return, if he gets injured, we're just going to be out of, you know, we're going to start at some point. We're going to run out of receivers here. I, and that they decided to, to put, give cam another chance or I, I don't know. He, it happened again. It's different this time, I guess, because he didn't. He needed to wave. He didn't touch it. He didn't wave off the guys blocking for him. And then the ball, which he's supposed to do, though. He's supposed to communicate. Scott said he's supposed to yell, Peter, Peter, Peter. And he didn't. You watch it. He didn't. And then next thing you know, it almost looked like he got hurt. He looked like he could have been hurt on that play. It looked like the the lineman kind of rolled up on him. Like, it. it I have no idea why we're doing this. I said last week, Scott, if you put him back out there at some point, it's on you. Why are we taking a situation where we have probably one of the best corners in the Big Ten? I mean, he was all over the place in that game defensively. Why are we taking something that should be a a positive, wonderful thing that's happening on the team and instead... We're going to continue to put him in a situation where he's not succeeding and just going to just swirl an enormous amount of negativity around the fact it's unacceptable. You cannot fumble a punt every game. That's ridiculous. And so far, we're three for three. And it's not just this year. And it's the same player. Just let him do what he does well. I get it. I understand. Okay, he has big playability. He has big playability. Okay. He's not executing at the at the at the most basic level at this position. At this position, it's not like he can't. It's not like he's you know bench him or he's not a he's he's not a a, a good captain. He's not a good black shirt. He, he's a great captain. He's a great black shirt. Why are we why, why are we forcing him to continue to do something in front of everyone? The the crowd when he fair caught it at the beginning of the game cheered like. They said on the broadcast, the, the word they used was sarcastically. They sarcastically cheered because it's where everyone's holding their breath. Every Why are we doing this? Everyone's holding their breath every time he, a punt return is coming to him. And then he eventually he loses one later on in the game. Why are we doing this? It would literally be like 
we would okay he's a he's a big play he's a big play threat so we're gonna have him you know what he gives us our bit our best um big playability at at running back but he just is completely unable to to handle to his his protections he never does so every time there's a pass play when he's at halfback um martinez just gets annihilated that wouldn't work we would need to stop doing that immediately. We would need to stop doing it immediately. He wouldn't matter that that if sometimes when we hand him the ball, he breaks one. Okay, but every other time that someone blitzes, he we just he doesn't pick him up and he just lets Martinez get killed. Like he he can't do this job. It doesn't matter that you know some of the times that he returns a punt. First off, I've never really seen an electric punt from punt return from Cam Taylor Britt. It doesn't matter that the potential for him to have an electric return is there. If he doesn't know the basics, like if he's unable to execute the basics of punt returning, like communicating, catching the ball, fair catching, like he's, he's fumbling every single game. You can't do that. Put anyone out there at some point, put no one out there. The, the only thing that can't happen is that we can't turn the ball over. It's happening every single game. We It has to stop. I, I don't know what else to say. I feel like I'm kind of going in a circle here because I don't know what else to say. It needs to stop. If I if it, it continues to happen, uh, it, we're going to know what we're going to get. If we see Cam Taylor Britt out there, I mean, it doesn't take a genius. You're going to know what you're probably going to get that game. You're probably going to get a fumble punt return. I mean, fool me once. Fool me twice. Fool me three times. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Special teams. Just, uh, we should have known from the fo- from the start of fall camp, we started talking about special teams analysts, that it was just going to be a, this the hot topic yet again this year. But anyways, we can only hope that these things are going to be fixed by next week. I doubt they will. It seems to come up every week, and it's just not a great thing. I think Connor Cole could could turn it around. And, and I just hope to God that there's someone else besides Cam Taylor Britt. I love Cam Taylor Britt. I just don't want to see him on the punt return for another week. I just, I, I mean, I have to be, you know, a masochist to, to want that. That about covers it in terms of the Buffalo-Nebraska game. In the rest of the Big Ten, there weren't too many big games. Biggest game was Ohio State getting upset by Oregon. That was that was wild. Um, I think I thought Oregon really took it to them. They thought their defense is better than I would have suspected, but maybe Ohio State's uh, mortal. Maybe we got a chance. Yikes. Um, but even more important than Oregon upsetting Ohio State is that my best friend Brett uh, Bielema has decided that after upsetting the Huskers in Week Zero, he's just gonna just dog it for the rest of the year. She's going to mail it in um, as UVA crushed Illinois to the tune of 42 to 14. I, you know what, Brett, you never, you've, you found just new, interesting and cruel ways to torture, to torture me and to torture the Nebraska fan base. Cause that loss looks worse and worse with every passing week. Are you just going to forfeit the rest of your games? You got me again, Belima. You got me again. A lion eye tanking aside, let's take a look at Oklahoma. 
Now, I've had this game circled on my calendar for a long time. Scott got hired thinking in in Scott's fourth year, it's going to be a great game because we're going to be back. And here we are talking about our loss to Illinois in week zero, celebrating our winning record over Fordham and Buffalo. Bolus last five seasons. Not great, but Oklahoma's here. Now, I could do a whole rundown here of how great Spencer Rattler is, that he's completed 76% of his passes. He's the favorite to win the Heisman, that they've got three great receivers in Marvin Mims, Mario Williams, Jaden Hasselwood. They have two great running backs, Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray. I, I, could, I, I could go into all of it, but I mean, let me just save a little time here and just say that they probably outmatch us to a man. That's that's the reality. They probably are, are that they're deeper, faster, and stronger than the Huskers. I don't think anybody's that shocked by that. They're the number three team in the country, and the Huskers are the Huskers. But this is still a big game. It's a big game for the fans. You know, since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, we you know this used to be the biggest rivalry. In college football, or at least one of them. And so I found myself diving into the to the message boards to just see like if there's at least any like, you know, see if there's any excitement around this game, at least maybe from a, from an old, from older fans or something, for, particularly on the Oklahoma, you know, part. Because for the Huskers, this is an opportunity to, you know, at least an opportunity to upset a top three opponent. So I found myself wondering, is Oklahoma fans just going to think this is going to be a snooze fest? And in looking on OU Insider, I find that there's this, I don't know, some sort of thing where they can they can write a, a letter to Coach Riley on the message boards. And so user Shreveport Sooner writes a letter, Dear Coach Riley, I think you are more than a head coach collecting a paycheck. I think you've studied the history of our program. I think you have a great respect for it. We as fans are grateful for this. Speaking for all the fans here. I would like to discuss the University of Nebraska today. We have a great history with that program, and I'm sure you know this. You are also very likely aware we did have a period of time in which our program was in decline. During this time, we played Nebraska, and their current coach was the QB on the field. On that day, the Cornhuskers saw it fit to continue with all guns blazing well after the game was won. To say they rubbed it in our face that day would be a great understatement. If this game gets out of hand, and I do realize this will be Nebraska's game of the year and might be kept close on emotions alone, I would ask you please return the favor in spades. History, in fact, demands it. Hashtag half hundred wouldn't be enough. Humbly Shreveport Sooner. Now I read this and thought to myself, first, is this person getting all jacked up to just beat down on on a team that hasn't made a bowl game in five years? 
And on top of that, you sooner somehow feel like this is a revenge game for you because in 1997, Scott Frost ran up the score on you at quarterback. I mean, like you guys are aware that like we've played other times since then, a few times. In fact, eight to be exact. And Nebraska's two and six over that span. You won six of those games. And in fact, in 2008, you ran up a score on us, 62 to 28. I'm not sure why we're talking about 1997, but what I can think about, since you think this is a revenge game for you, is December 4th, 2010, Big 12 Championship. That's the last time we played. Nebraska went up with Rex Burkhead, Roy Hallou, T Magic's freshman year, Taylor Martinez, go up 17 to nothing, and it was another instance. It's another time, just like that Wisconsin championship. It's another instance where I felt like we were right there, right there about to get that conference championship and that drought. And I had to watch DeMarco Murray and the Oklahoma Sooners completely spoil it. And you want to talk about what our head coach did at quarterback in 1997? Last time I checked... That same DeMarco Murray that beat us in 2010 is currently your running backs coach. And this is a revenge game for you? This is a revenge game for the Huskers. The rivalry's back. Let's go. Let's go knock some oaky knuckleheads right out of town. If you don't know what an oaky knucklehead is, make sure you listen to the full song at the end of this podcast. I haven't forgotten DeMarco. We're coming for you. Now, obviously my head's telling me here that the take is best case scenario, Huskers give it a good game. It's 35-14. But in my heart, I really feel that this Nebraska team could be up for the challenge, could shock people, shock the world this week. Because the truth is, what I'm afraid of most on Oklahoma is that offense. And this defense continues to take strides, continues to play at a high level. And I think they may be ready for him. I think the moment, I think that the Oklahoma Sooners might be sleeping a little bit on my black shirts. And if I were giving Adrian Martinez the offense here a pep talk, I'd tell him, you never really need to worry that much about a Big 12 defense anyways. I mean, the truth is, You guys play against Big Ten opponents all the time. You played great defenses. You know what it looks like. How different is it going to be? I mean, the truth is, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa even, probably got better defenses than that Oklahoma team, in my opinion. I mean, certainly those teams have fared better in bowls and in the postseason. Certainly Ohio State. You guys have played them. It's not going to be any different. And sure, you didn't fare very well, but you were able to move the ball. Go out there and show them what the Big Ten's about. I think our defensive coordinator, Eric Hernandez, said it best during his press conference yesterday. I'm really excited for these kids to go out and show the country that they can play with anybody. And I don't care who they go up against. You know, Oklahoma's really, really good. They're, they're a really good football team, especially I haven't watched their defense much. On offense, I know they're an exceptional football team. But I think that we have exceptional kids too, and I'm excited for this game. Because we do have exceptional kids. 
Luke Reimer was just named Big Ten Player of the Week. 16 tackles. We all saw what Adrian did. Sure, it was against Buffalo, but it doesn't really matter who it's against. Someone comes in unblocked. He sh- completely shakes him off, takes off for 72 yards. That's exceptional. And if all of our guys can put together their best day, the truth is, on Adrian Martinez's best day, he can do everything Spencer Rattler can do. He just needs to have that best day. Pretty much the entire team does. That's our show this week. Tune in next week for the recap of the Nebraska-Oklahoma game where I will probably eat all of my words. And as always, go Big Red. I was raised in Nebraska, but one time I journeyed south, and the things those Okies said down there made me wipe out a couple of miles. They like their Sooner football, and they don't like the Huskers enough, but I surprised them all when I sang this song. I made them take off and run. You can boast about your victory, tell me all about your team, but when we meet on the football field, your bridges won't be clean. You can brag about the Sooners and sing your old fight song, but don't come across our borderline, cause you knuckleheads don't belong. Show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.